My guest today is Brown University President Christina Paxson. Welcome in, President. Nice to have you with us. Thank you very much. Let's begin with what's in the news. The kids at Brown are back. Uh, they're walking around campus. They're going to the buildings. What are you doing testing-wise? So they are actually coming back. Classes start next Wednesday. Yep. Uh, the students, the undergraduate students, are required to test twice a week using antigen tests. That's changed for us. So they're the rapid tests. They do them in their right. dorm rooms. and. We're going to keep the campus safe that way. Okay, so they're coming back. Yeah, at some point, you're going to change that. Here's what I think. I think kids aren't going, to, aren't going to give you the results because you know how college kids are. They want to go back to school. They want to party. They may take a test, but if they're not being honest with the results, what, what good is it? You must have thought about that. Yeah, you know, we have had a really good culture of compliance. We've been at this for two years, yeah. and by and large, students are taking They're not all perfect, but they're taking the rules really seriously, and they care about each other's welfare. I think... They don't want to infect their friends. Mm -hmm. So I, I think they'll do a good job. I'm pretty confident in that. Okay. I have, I, we can take a bet. Yeah, I have one still in college, and uh, I don't know. <laughs> they take the test. Are they actually going to tell who they're supposed to tell what the result was? All right, let's put that aside. And masks indoors? Masks indoors. Till further notice. Yep, exactly. Right. Let's move on to some other things. I'm gonna, uh, we're going to go from topic to topic to topic. But you're sure. involved in the big hospital merger. I am. Uh, in Rhode Island. It's Care New England, Lifespan, and Brown University right in the middle. And it's because you have a medical school and you need a hospital for your students to go in and learn the ropes, right? That's your involvement in this. You also have a research component. Mm -hmm. Why are you so interested in the hospital merger? What's your real involvement? Well, so we are not legally a party to the merger. It's Care New England Lifespan merging, that's a legal merger. Right. Uh, we are affiliated with both of them. And we're affiliated in terms of our medical faculty. Mm -hmm. Over 60% of the doctors in Rhode Island are affiliated with the Brown Medical School. Medical education, residency programs, and a lot of research. Okay. And, you know, I've been at this for 10 years. I think we're doing a great job in education and research, but I see what more could be done that would come back and benefit the people of Rhode Island if these systems work together. Okay, but you, your medical students are in Rhode Island Hospital. They're all over the place, so you, you, you need those places for them to go. I do. Right? I and do. And by the way, the doctors like hooking up with you too, because I see Brown University on their jacket. They, <laughs> it's an attraction to come to Rhode Island, yes. Okay, now let's dig into this. Blake Filippi, the House Minority Leader, has basically laid this out as nothing, he said, boy, he used a strong language. He said, years ago, partners, the big hospital group, Brigham's up in, up in Boston, they, they work with Harvard. They wanted to come to Rhode Island and save care in New England, but somebody put the kibosh on it. Let's listen to what Blake Filippi says, and then you tell me what your response is. Go mm -hmm. ahead. They were going to come here and invest tens and tens of millions of dollars in buying and upgrading our Care New England facilities. Uh, Brown University and Lifespan went to Gina Raimondo and had her kill that deal. Lifespan doesn't want to compete with partners, mm -hmm. and Brown doesn't want to compete compete with Harvard University, which is a teaching hospital with partners healthcare. So they used the force of government to kill this deal, which the deal would have benefited us as healthcare consumers. So, so no, I, no, he, I disagree uh, on that with, on so many levels. Well, that's I'm why you're here. To talk about it. Go ahead. He said you didn't want Harvard coming into your turf in Rhode Island, and that's why you called up Gina Raimondo and said, kill this deal. And by the way, Lifespan okay. didn't want partners here either. Go ahead, fight back. So, so I'll tell you why I, didn't, why I did not approve of the Brigham deal, although we did negotiate an agreement with Brigham if that deal had gone through, which I was pretty happy with. Mm -hmm. My main concern about the deal is that Brigham's M.O., is to bring all of the specialty care back to the center. And so New England, Rhode Island patients, if you get cancer, you go to Kent. Great, where are you gonna get treatment? You're gonna to go to Boston. 
And so this funneling of specialty care, high-end care mm -hmm. out of the state would have made Rhode Island a medical backwater. And that's bad for patients, it's bad for medical education, it's bad for bringing great physicians here. And, you know, Sheldon Whitehouse has said very clearly, he doesn't want to have happen to healthcare the same as what happened to the banking industry here in the state, where it just got sucked out into Massachusetts. So you never called Governor Raimondo and said, hey, you got to kill this for all these reasons. She, it was not the governor killing the deal. She tried to broker, broker a deal between Lifespan and Karen Whelan. That didn't mm. work. So it was a simply um, a matter of how the patients would have gone from here, up there for specialized treatment. It wasn't that you didn't want Harvard anywhere near Rhode Island. No, Harvard wouldn't have been near Rhode Island anyway. I get along pretty well with Harvard, and they don't have interest in sending their medical students here. That was not an issue at all. Well, n not, uh, all right. Uh, what about lifespan, that they didn't want the competition from partners? World-class operation. I, I think the bottom line here is we want to keep care local. We don't want people to have to go out of state to get good medical care. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people in this state, we have private pay patients. A lot of them go to Massachusetts now anyway. It costs more, mm -hmm. but they go. A lot of our patients who are on Medicaid, Medicare dual eligible, lower income people, they can't afford to make that trip. And they would have been stuck with lower quality care if the Brigham had come here. I'm convinced of that. From what you've read, from what you've seen, your involvement, you want this merger to go through. And you still want Drs. Finale and Babineau to run it. They want to be the co-guys running this. Are you okay with that? No, I think the plan is that they would be transitional and there would be a new CEO of the head of the whole thing. But for the immediate future, they want to, they want to handle Well, you need some continuity. You can't just say the merger's happened and everybody walks out the door and there's nobody there running the place. Okay. But you, you do need leadership. All right, let's move on. Um, you said you get along with Harvard. Um, you, you know, there's a lawsuit against Brown and I think uh, 16 other schools. But I'll tell you, the headline's been a little rough. Lawsuit alleges 16 universities engage in price fixing, collaborating to limit financial aid offers. Brown is one of the, one of the defendants. Yeah. Uh, how well do you get along so, with so, these other 17 well, presidents? Well, not that well. We, we don't <laughs> collude on anything. Yeah. But, but, you know, the bottom line is when we admit a student and they apply for financial aid, we don't work with any, we don't call up another school and say, what are you giving to this student? What are you, and, and this group, this 568 group that the lawsuit references, right. Brown has not been a member yes, of that since it. 2012. Right. I, I would, you know when I first learned about the 568 group? From the newspaper when I read about this suit. Okay. I had no idea what it was. The 568 group is this nexus of college leaders that you used to be, belong to. When I say you, it's the office not you personally. You're right, Brown left that. But these defendants say you were in it at the time that there were phone calls and they would conspire. No, you take this many kids, I take that many kids. No, 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 no. Not true. That, so, so the law, look, I'm not a lawyer. You right. know that? I'm an economist. But basically, the fi 568 is an exemption in the antitrust statute that right. says that schools that are need blind can sketch out broad parameters for how they approach financial aid, how they assess need. And what the plaintiffs are arguing is that because these schools, some of them, not Brown, but some of the others, right. were not fully need blind, the 568 exemption didn't apply to them. So it's a very technical argument, mm -hmm. but the fact is we haven't been a member of this thing for a decade. Okay, so this headline, lawsuit alleges 60 universities engage in price fixing. Not true? 
I don't, I, I can only speak from my university. From my perspective, it is not true. Collaborating to limit financial aid office, office, not true? Brown has not done that. Let's talk about admissions, boy. Yeah. That admission scandals, that the scandal involving the, uh, the Hollywood people and, and the whole thing, what is it, USC and the stars. Uh, what, 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 were the, what were you talking about with your peers at the time? By the way, Brown wasn't named in that. No, we weren't. Let's make that clear. We weren't. You weren't a part of that of the, uh, the college admission scandals. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, it was a, we went back and said, look, we have to make sure that our policies are crystal clear and that everybody knows what they are. So we actually put our policies up on the website. Mm -hmm. We do not talk about gifts with any family who has a child in the applicant pool. This is just, it's, it's maybe it happens in some places, maybe it used to happen. It's just really bad practice now. And after the USC scandal, we had the Epstein scandals mm -hmm. and things like that. So I think we're being really called upon to be, you know, have the highest integrity when it comes to admissions. I think that's the right thing to do. All right, let's move on to some, to some other topics. You know, I, I read the Brown Daily Herald and I've been doing some research before you came in. And, and you know what? I, I don't know that I'd want to be a college president because anything that you want to do or propose, it seems that there's an immediate fight. Everybody fights. It's like a free-for-all up there. For example, you want to consolidate a number of subjects. I'll make it very easily. But again, you, what is it that you want to do? The consolidation you mentioned? Well, it's not a, there's a new center a that new we're center. proposing uh, in politics, philosophy, and economics. Yes. Put them together in one center. They're fighting you on that. They don't want that. Uh, there's a move to, so you want to trim the administrative staff in certain departments. They, they want to fight you on that. Uh, there's a move to take uh, all of your investments out of Israel. There's a fight against that. Is this daily life of the college <laughs> university president? <laughs> well, How do you get anything done? I, I saw in really, you're encouraging Jim Langevin to go and be a college president. I don't know why you're doing that, given what you're saying to me right now. <laughs> he but, must be punished. <laughs> <laughs> No, what, I guess what I would say is universities are meant to be places where people debate ideas and they are free to speak their mind and have discussions and debate about issues. And being a college president is not like being a top-down CEO of a company. It's like being mayor of a small city. Look at Providence. I don't think you can suggest anything that somebody isn't going to disagree on right, yeah. in Rhode Island. And it's very much the same in a, in a university. So All yeah, right. you can yeah. get stuff done. You, you can. You can. All right, let's talk about uh, just a, a few other issues. You mentioned Providence, crime. Uh, there's always been a push, you should give more money. You weren't here with Mayor Cienci. He used to be up there every day knocking on your door uh, for more money. And maybe he'd, take, he'd, he'd do things a little differently years ago. I'm sure you've read the books. Where I do you have. stand with Providence, crime concerns, and money for the city? So crime concerns, I mean, I'm concerned about crime more broadly. We don't have an issue on College Hill right now. We have a very good um, Department of Public Safety. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've supported the Nonviolence Institute. We are very concerned about crime as a, as a citizen mm -hmm. of, the, of, the, of the city, but not with any specific concern about the campus. Uh, you know, in terms of supporting the city, we do, we should, and we do. And we do in a number of different ways. One is through agreements that we've forged with the city over the years, mm -hmm. one in 2003 and one in 2012, uh, where we uh, provide payments uh, to support city services. And those agreements are going to come up in the next year or so. We will be talking about the future of those, which mm -hmm. we're eager for the discussion. That's fine. 
In addition, there's so many things that Brown does that I think most people don't know about. Supporting our public schools, supporting health yep. clinics, supporting, you know, sending teachers out to teach in the urban core. And, you know, I think we need to have a relationship with the yep. city that's a collaboration where our interests are aligned, not just transactional. Right. They're not going to get the best from Brown from that. Maybe you should quantify that, put a dollar figure on, they would well, understand that. In addition to the cash or what, you know, the loot, whatever the payment is in lieu of that, you know. That might be uh, easy to understand. Let's we go could. back to something you said. Uh, colleges should be a place of great discussion, and you have plenty of discussion. We do. <laughs> on every issue that comes up. Um, you made a point when you came. Uh, you know, there was pushback. The police commissioner couldn't speak on campus. Remember, he was shouted down from New York City. That was a long time ago, yes, but it, yes. Yes, it was. But you know what? It seems as if the woke culture has taken over, and you've heard all this liberalism on campus, and some mm -hmm. people want to blame you and, and the academics for everything that's wrong, yeah. which would be unfair. But the truth is... Uh, what's going on on college campuses? Is there a fair exchange of ideas? Could a, could a person like former President Donald Trump come to Brown and speak? Well, we, we have been, and, and since the Ray Kelly episode, we, again, we've really looked at our policies and said, how can we make sure, you know, our policy is clear. Any faculty member, student group that wants to invite a speaker, they can invite who they want. Mm -hmm. That's been in the policy since 19, the 1960s. And as president, I, I uphold that policy. And so what we've done is put a series of things in place to make sure that students know that if they want to protest, they can. Mm -hmm. But there, there are guidelines around how you can do that. And we have not had an episode since then where any speaker has been shouted down, prevented from speaking. Doesn't mean we've been free of protests. We have had yeah. some. That's okay. But making sure that that free exchange of ideas happens is very important. Right, we have about one minute left. What's the tuition for Brown now? About uh, seven, you in the 70s? Yeah, we're about a little over 70. That's the sticker price. That's not right. the price that many, many students pay. Okay, but a, a lot of people do pay sticker price. About and half. For somebody to pay, about half. For somebody to pay, to pay 70, that means your parents have to make 105 net, right? You got to gross 105 to take 70 out of my pocket. To give to you is that is that too much? Well, I I would not. To, it it it's a burden for families and families. They save up, they plan in advance. They mm -hmm. know their kids are probably going to go to college from the day they're born, and we do everything we can to make college yeah. affordable for those families. All of the economic data says that the returns are well worth the investment. Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, the student loan thing. Uh, it's, it's a burden on many, uh, but uh, you have no shortage. You're about, is it 14%, I think, admission rate on early admission, which I just read. Yeah. The overall admission rate for Brown is? It, it'll be under 5% uh, so this year. But, but I would say we have removed loans from our financial aid packages. Right. We've removed consideration of housing equity as wealth in our financial aid packages. So we've done a lot to invest in improving financial aid and making Brown more accessible. Let's hold it there. Thanks for coming in. We have many, many other topics we could go to. We'll save that for the next News Conference 101. Thanks for coming in. President Thank you Christina so much. Paxson, I appreciate it. Take care. Bye.